0: Welcome to Keepers.
1: We're a married couple who went to France for the 2019 World Cup, fell in love with women's soccer. So naturally when the pandemic hit, we started a fantasy league for the NWSL. This is our podcast.
0: I'm Holly Wild. Follow me at Wild Woso. That's Wild with me. An
1: and I'm Jared Gilkerson. Find me at Jared Underscore radio and follow us at Keepers Podcast. back that's my bold statement good to be back 2022 keepers podcast is back how you been holly
0: you know i've been uh i've been all right i'm, I'm uh ready for season two i don't know how to answer that question how have i been I, nobody cares about how i've been honestly like no one wants to hear my life drama
1: all of our fans care about how you've been Well, how they- have
0: you been jared
1: I'm trying to think. We last did a show at the end of September. Yes. Um, you have since won a championship, which we'll talk about next week. Yes, um, I did. I emerged
0: victorious from last year. The
1: Spirit won. And then we've had retirements and games and all kinds of fun stuff. And now all of a sudden, the Challenge Cup is starting again. But as our listeners know, um, this show, uh, we usually start off the first... 15 minutes or so with, you know, more serious topics and more relevant topics in the world of women's sports, specifically women's soccer. And so after you and I went off, had our last episode last year, there were a lot of, um, stories, very important to the NWSL, important to women's sports and important to the league. Yes. So we are, yes, a fantasy soccer, women's soccer podcast, uh, specifically for the NWSL, but Today's show we thought we would be shortchanging our listeners if we didn't address you know the multiple elephants in the room.
0: Yes. We felt that we needed to do a here's what's fucked about what happened podcast. Yeah. Prior sure. to starting the new
1: season. Yeah, for sure. So, let's just get right into it. Um last year, you and I it kind of all started with the Sarah Gordon racial profiling uh issue back in April. Um, then there was the Fareed Ben resigning for an oil rain in July. And so once the summer started, it was, then you had, uh, Elise LaHue contract terminated by Gotham. Then you have the Washington spirit laundry list of, uh, Richie Burke ownership disputes, uh, COVID lots, lots happening there. Um, racing Louisville head coach, Christy Holly terminated for cause Paul Riley. Um, Courage head coach, accused of sexual corro- co- coercion and uh, emotional abuse. Then, you know, Lisa Baird, the commissioner of the stepping down. Chicago Red Stars coach Roy Dames resigns prior uh, prior to um, um, verbal and emotional abuse allegations, you know, uh, hours before. So that's a huge list. So you and I, we were around April through September, and we touched on a lot of these. But um, I thought we should we should just, just to start with Paul Riley yeah. in North Carolina because that was gigantic, yeah. and um, I'll pull up who reported on it because that was a giant story. So it was Meg Linahan. was it Meg? Yeah, for the Athletic. Mm-hmm. It's a huge story from Meg Linehan. Did the expose? Yeah, and if you haven't read it, read it. I'm sure if you, I'm sure you have if you're listening to us now. But so a head coach for years at the Courage accused of uh, sexual coercion and uh, uh, emotional abuse. Um, holly i mean we've read all the allegations from a plethora of players um where where do we start here with this
0: well i think we start with uh an acknowledgement um to sinead Fairley, to monashim to kaya mccullough uh for coming forward and with their stories and for for all other, you know, victims and survivors for coming forward with their story. When someone comes forward with a story of trauma, they have to live, relive the story to tell it, and so they're paying the cost over and over again. And that's a a brave and terrible thing to do. And I think we start with that acknowledgement. I also think we acknowledge allies. Um, National team players: Megan Rapinoe, Becky Sauerbrunn, Sophia Smith, Sam Mewis, Lynn Williams, and all of the other players in the league that spoke up, and most particularly Alice Morgan, who uh, had has been a, a you know brave in lending her her star power and putting that on the line in support of this investigation.
1: Can I chime in there, real yeah. quick? Yeah, I mean her her speaking up is in my opinion the one of the biggest reasons that lisa baird is gone as commissioner nbsl
0: well she busted her completely yes because
1: you know lisa baird saying that
0: these were new allegations new
1: and then a few people did speak up and say like i think megan klingenberg might have spoke up and said there's nothing new about this and then of course alex morgan's like listen i helped these players with this like writing a letter to the league
0: as a teammate yes and player under coach Paul Riley at Portland Thorns in 2015.
1: Yeah, and then there's the letter to the league, you know, co-signed by her in April, right before the season. Yes. So months before everything came out. So Lisa Barrett's gone. Like that. That you're done. And especially when you have the biggest name players in the league calling. But that was you just out.
0: an yeah. That was an an elegant, brilliant, yes. and concise way to do that.
1: Yeah. That, well said. Yeah. I just, I had to chime in with that. That was a giant reason. It's just like the whole league tumbled and it, they, it should. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, continue. Yeah. I think you had some more thoughts or no on that.
0: I have more thoughts, but I'm going to tie it in a bow. Once we talk about what happened at Chicago. Okay. I think I don't want to deep dive into this. I think that we can't say too much more than what was said. I think that the, sexual coercion and emotional abuse was appalling and i don't know how much more i can comment on it
1: than that well it's, it's disgusting like and it's it's but it was so eye opening because as a fan okay i'm coming i'm going to go with coming from my point of view here like i'm a, i'm a person who has watched a lot of sports and it's very rare unless you you know, what we had happened in the NHL this past year with one of the players saying that he was sexually assaulted by a, 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 an assistant coach. And it just doesn't happen where in men's sports where they, either they don't speak up a lot about it or it's not happening as, as often. You know, it, it's, we could go down that rabbit hole. But it was so eye-opening to me that, to know that there's this years of alleged abuse from a one person. And we're going to get into Roy Dames as well and i'm I think we'll move on to that one because I think you and I have points that point back to both of these, but this one was the biggest i w my jaw jaw dropped it was it was it was like really like how does this happen for this many years and and um people that are owners of teams and commissioners of leagues it's just and it doesn't nothing comes of it. It's crazy
0: I want to dig into that a little bit because I had the same reaction of really how does this happen for so many years? However, I think I am, I I think that that is a natural human reaction because it's so appalling and so evil and so wrong. However, I don't think this is, I I think that your perspective coming from somewhere where this is not talked a lot about and you're thinking, you're feeling like this is, uh, you know, a little bit surprising, right? I don't think it's surprising. I think it's par. I think it's endemic. And-
1: You mean for women's sports or athletics?
0: Yeah, I do. I think it's endemic. And I think there's there's abuse of power all over sports and coaching, but I think there's another layer that's layered onto that, that's sexual misconduct and abuse of power. and, And it's sort of, and this, I'm looking, I'm struggling to look for the words. It's, it's um, This level of perversion that's rooted in power and control, It it shocks me how dark it is and how prevalent it is. And I can't even begin to unpack what that says about us as a society.
1: Yeah, i have no idea it's, it's it's weird i guess i shouldn't i mean women's gymnastics is like the key um of like that's the most youth highest youth level like well you saw people get started when they're five at the
0: espy awards a couple of years yeah. ago you know a number of the survivors on stage you know plus 100 of them they filled the entire stage on multiple levels this is a shocking photograph
1: yeah and You know, I'm trying to wrap my head, like my dude brain around it too, because like you're saying it's par, which I believe you. And it's just crazy how we come from two different sides of the street where it's not on how we feel about it now, but how we got here and how long this has been occurring and how surprising it is. And I think the biggest, the most shocking thing for me is to hear grown women talking about it. Not, Not saying it's okay, but you see gymnasts who are like, oh, well... They're in the, they were in the Olympics when they are 15 and there's some perverted coach on a team and you go, it's disgusting. And, but they're all young women when they came, when when it came to light. But when you hear these grown women talk about through youth soccer, this coach did this or that coach did this. And it's, they've had a level of control over my career since then. And this kind of goes into the, we go right to the Rory Dames. So Rory Dames, yep. after they play the championship game in October and lost, um, literally like the next day, uh, he, uh, resigns. But then the next day after that, uh, it's, it's, oh, uh, or I think it was a few weeks after actually, uh, Dames is accused of verbal and emotional abuse. And then we go right down this same rabbit hole of, you know, you had Abby Ursig and Melissa Tancredi, uh, they they addressed the allegations and the NWSL so NWSLPA was all over it. Current players are all over it, even big time players. Like the one that stuck out to me was Lindsey Horan, talking about how um, uh, when she played for um, who's the general, who's the coach for the uh Ben Ben Steedy? Mm-hmm. Ben Steedy, that she was verbally abuse body shame ab- yeah. and thought about quitting like one of the best players in the world and so you get more people coming out um and then it eventually leads to sexual misconduct in youth soccer and that didn't come out till february so you get october to february where you think it, you get ju- you get emotional and verbal abuse and then it leads to right back to where we were with Paul Riley with this starting with youth Soccer and people that have played for him for years, and feeling a sense of control. What did you? I mean, I'm I'm
0: feeling a sense of enragement right now. Like I can feel it bubbling up in me. I want to break down a little bit. The. I mean, I was horrified by that. I was reading, I was researching for this show today, and about halfway through the research, the the thought that I had about a point I wanted to make was that that if this is existing at the highest levels then it must be endemic in youth soccer and that is terrifying and i had not gotten to the reports on rory dames and and the you know sexual misconduct and coercion reports that came out in february and that just you know i was like oh. you know validating my worst instinct about how, you know, the the level of of um, how far this is permeated, yeah. I guess is, the is roots one way it. to say it. Yeah. The roots of it. And I think um, accusations against him go back to
1: 1998. Yeah. With like 14 year olds. Yeah. And it. I know this is it's such a shitty subject, but like what we're looking at here, it sounds like through these allegations is that these coaches get a level of control. So it's it starts as just what can I do to control you as a player? Maybe let's say it's I don't know. I'm just guessing. But like so it starts as like what is this? There were players saying now they they wouldn't tell coaches what they like to do or what their passions were because they didn't want the coach using it against them later on. Which is <laughs> like I've had. We, I'm sure you and I have had both emotional
0: and, and, manipulation and abuse.
1: I'm sure you you and I have both had coaches that will be like, you know, tough love and da, da da da. But this is so far beyond where it's like, oh, I you know, I I just I don't know. I have no level of compa- comparison of saying it's like. You have a coach that uses something you like to do, whether it's you're you're getting, you know, you've got good grades in this class, or you you like you like to do this in your spare time, and it's like we're going to use this against you, but very manipulative, like very a very deep seated way to get into these players' minds at an early age, where they think. Yeah, it's I mean, normal. I saw it. I
0: saw it in junior high school at like our you know low level junior high sports teams.
1: Do you think it has to do with? Is it? Having men as coaches in women's sports, like you know, because like we've seen, like with the gymnastics team, that it was a, a problem for it was a problem with that. With you know, I'm not going to name names, but it was like a you know, a husband and wife team. Um, I mean, it seems to me that most Here's of the problems come from to- dudes coaching, you know, the youth level, but I'm not saying that <sighs> yes if you're a dude and that's coaching.
0: I want to, this is what I think because I, I was thinking about you know, something, some point to make, to add to this conversation, given that a lot of this news has happened over the, over months. And this is the point I want to make. Yes, we've fired the coaches, you know, hopefully we've permanently removed their coaching licenses. However, all of the people who still, yes, we fired Lisa Baird and we fired general counsel for the NWSL, but all of the people who made those decisions with one exception are still in place. Because the reason that this is systemic is ownership. It is money. It is who controls the money, controls the power. And we have to take a look at ownership. Like, let's take a look at the Red Star's ownership. Arnim Whistler, who couldn't be bothered to comment on Rory Dames. He sent a mass yeah, text to his former players saying, I'm sorry I didn't know about this. Even though evidence shows he's known about Rory Dames since 2013, at least because that's how far back we can trace players asking for trades. You know, Kristen Press complained about this in 2014. But he said, I didn't know about this. And he didn't publicly comment. On this whole issue, until sexual misconduct at the youth level came out in February. So we know that's only a PR move because someone said you have to look apologetic about this. Uh, but let's talk about holding Arnold Whistler accountable. Let's talk about having new ownership for the Chicago Red Stars, because this person has clearly made decisions that negatively affect his female players for the past 11 years. And what, what makes me even more enraged are the women who choose to be complicit in this, like female co-owner Sarah Spain, who said she was not allowed to comment on this whole situation. You're not allowed? You, you don't have a voice and a microphone? Yeah. I- really? Really? your ownership shares are more important than other women's safety to you?
1: Well, we've seen that in all levels of sports, men and women. Well, let's, um, let's also
0: talk about... Stephen Malick, North Carolina coach, who clearly knew about the investigation into Paul Riley when he was at the Thorns in 2015, and decided, oh, he got cleared. We'll take their word for it. Let's hire this guy. Well, there so talk about Portland's Merritt Paulson, who fired Paul Riley, but didn't publicize why, allowing him to get another job elsewhere, and then decided that he would reinstate President Gavin Williamson after a thorough investigation at the Thorns. What does thorough mean? dotted our I's and crossed our T's. The,
1: the biggest, oh, sorry. This is
0: the important thing here. These are the people that need to be held accountable next. These should be the next people up on the chopping block.
1: Well, we saw who got chopped in, yes. W- in Washington.
0: Yes, this is one bright spot.
1: And that was a, such a saga. It's such a mess. Like Burke, you know, all the, bur- it was just, it, it went from Richie Burke going You know, the team missing games because of COVID, which was another drama. I'm not even going to get into that. There was such a deep, there were so many deep (laughs) seated and, you know, towing the line of racist allegations between that. Um, NWSL investigating Spirit's old boys club. You know, Spirit fans calling for Steve Baldwin to sell the team. Michelle Kang, who was a minority owner, uh, wanted Baldwin to sell the team then players, you know, like Jenna Hellstrom, you know, saying she was verbally abused by Richie Burke. And so now the players were coming out and saying, <laughs> and then he
0: doubled down and called her a cancer in the locker room. After she did? came out with those. Oh, that's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Great. Well, I mean, he's going to defend everything until he's, you know, till the end here, because that's, he's just dug in. Well,
0: he just proved her point.
1: Right. You're right. That's a good point. Um, then Steve Baldwin in October stepped down as CEO, but he still owned the team um you know Larry best left as team president so that was seemed like a win and all this while all this is happening uh it, it Steve and then there was rumors that Steve Baldwin moving forward selling the team to Todd Boley and then Michelle Kang finally assumed majority ownership in February um
0: so I'm thrilled that Michelle Kang is assuming majority ownership I think I hope that we will see between this team and some other teams when there's a majority female ownership, if that makes a difference, if leadership makes a difference. I think there's more to do because the federations have to be better. They can't be afraid of the owners for covering this up and they have to be better than in terms of leadership themselves. You know, USSF be better. US soccer is launching an independent investigation into this. Well, They were the ones who investigated Paul Riley in in 2016.
1: Well, that's who Kristen Press went to. Yeah. They say they have new
0: leadership since 2020. Mm, We'll see.
1: FIFA launching
0: an independent investigation into this? That just sounds like they're trying to look like they're important. FIFA, until you give equal prize money at the Women's and Men's World Cup, nobody wants to hear about your independent investigation into gender-related sexual misconduct. Yeah. Come on.
1: Yeah, um, I'm, this is Jared going to be glass half full. If you, if you don't mind, I'm going to spin it here because as a fan of multiple professional leagues for three decades plus, I have never seen so much vocal player advocacy in such uproar that has actually made change Except for now what's happening in the NBA. And I put the NWSL and the, N- and the NBA honestly on equal footing, I put the N- NWSL a little higher with they've accomplished more because they're a young league. I brought this up before where the NFL is so deeply rooted having bad, you know bad morality with players, owners, GMs, presidents, fans, whoever, for ye- decades but this league is a decade old and the players and the fans are not allowing this to happen. And I've never seen the NBA, Donald Sterling owner of the Clippers players were like, we ain't, you know, we're not playing. Like there was a playoff game and it's like, they were going to boycott the game. And, and, uh, and, and then he was, he was done. He, He was, he was owner of the Clippers for decades. And because the players spoke up, He's gone and then there's, you know, all kinds of allegations and it doesn't happen. Like the NFL, the owner of um, the Washington commanders, uh, he's been there forever and there's allegations, you know, for sexual assault and the, the cheerleading problems that have happened with that team. He's still there. It's been going on forever. I really still don't think now I know you said there's plenty of owners that are still here. But it's not as deeply rooted, and it's refreshing as a sports fan to finally see something happen when fans and players and GMs in some ways or majority owners speak up and things actually happen. You know, like Roger Goodell is still the commissioner of the NFL. He's had all kinds of issues. People going, Why are you suspending a player for eight games for some kind of uh, you know, let's just say so to say, some kind of criminal activity, but then you're, you know, like say, let's say there's some kind of uh, sexual assault, or let's say there's um,
0: domestic abuse, domestic charges.
1: abuse, and then a player who bets on the NFL is getting uh, more games suspended when you, as a, as the NFL, are in business with these people that bet on games. It's just so dumb. It's so dumb and he's still there. And there's people that speak out about it. We see recently Deshaun Watson has 22 allegations of assault, sexual assault with uh, massage parlors. He gets signed by the Cleveland Browns, 22 pending. And and the Browns owners are all still there. The quarterback's gonna get millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars. And then the NFL is gonna keep making money. But the NWCL is so refreshing because I can watch this league grow every year exponentially in every way morally, player salaries, uh, fans, teams. I love seeing this league grow, and I see a lot of positivity coming out from this ugly hell of a 2021 because there were plenty of positive stories, which we'll get into because we are a fantasy podcast. You know, we're, we're going to talk our ears off <laughs> everyone about the great players. But right now, this is the ugly about the league. And I see light here. I really do see light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm proud of what the great backbone of this league are the players. When your problems are players and owners and GMs, you got an issue as a league. But when you your players like the NBA and like the NWSL are strong and they all stand with each other and they back each other up, you can get stuff done. And then you've got strong a strong fan base. And the and the league is growing. And now you've got a, a huge spotlight in Southern California with giant celebrity owners. And it's I this league is just on the cusp of blowing up. And Get the bad seeds out of here. I, I really think I'm I, I'm really hopeful that it's going to happen.
0: Well, I appreciate that analysis. Let's see. Let's see what uh, this delinquent, deficient, wanting to be complicit in abuse and not having the you know moral backbone to come forward and hold people accountable, ownership. Let's see if. You know, if, if the fans in Chicago can do what the fans in Washington did and get rid of their ownership and have the team sold to someone who could be a better leader, let's see. Could happen. I, I appreciate your point about players and fans having a a real voice and a, a real ability to shift momentum in this league. So
1: Yeah. And now you got a new commissioner.
0: Let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, Jessica Berman, new commissioner. The mm-hmm. Um I have to say it right now. Like I, every time I hear I heard Lisa Baird speak, she sounded lost. I didn't. She seemed like a a very odd representative of the league. And I know she came in at a weird time with the pandemic and everything. But I just didn't think it vibed. And then when everything came out with her pretty much lying allegedly uh, on social media about what they knew. Um, and when your most popular player in the world may potentially, or one of them calls you out, you're gone. I like that they're getting someone who has, you know, Berman was at the National Lacrosse League, and then she was 13 years at the NHL. She was the VP and Deputy General Counsel, and later VP of Community Development, Culture, and Growth, as well as Executive Director of the NHL Foundation. So I just, I like her background. Um, I appreciate I'm, I'm that she's excited. also
0: has a you know is a lawyer comes from yes. a, a background as a labor lawyer. Right. I think that's uh potentially the right type of person to work with a very outspoken group of players who have a lot of power in the league.
1: Yeah. So we'll, we'll see, but like I'm going to repeat it again. Brand new ownership in Washington, brand new representatives For the league in general commissioner wise you don't see this kind of upheaval and i know it's comparing bad news to more bad news kind of a deal but you're seeing change and i don't know i I, I'm, i'm hopeful and i'm hopeful and you and i have a 2022 season to to look forward to and i really can't wait i i cannot wait to uh to watch these players kick some ass this year so that's it i'm glad we uh I'm glad we did this show. I know you and I were talking about doing this show for a while. And I was like, oh, it's like pulling teeth. Like we got to. I mean, it sucks. Well, that the lead I, I want to
0: roll that comment back oh. a little bit because I, I don't want it to sound like It's. it's a bummer for us when what we're talking about is some real traumatic experiences that other people went through.
1: Not at all. That's, I just meant it's hard to get in front of the mic and go okay we have to talk about this league that we love and the million bad things that went bad with it last year so that was uh it's it sticks with you for the yeah. rest of the day yeah but uh yeah it's um i'm looking forward to this year and uh that's it
0: well i want to put a bow on this by saying that it's it's worth being proud of for all of the people who came forward and all of the people who spoke up and I think that there's power and there's positivity in that and as much as I am disappointed and grieved by all of the things that happened and as enraging as it is that it was allowed to happen I think I feel hope because of the the unity and the support of the women's soccer community for their colleagues and for the players.